Turn your text to the Old Testament to 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20 for a sermon entitled, A Second Chance. A Second Chance. Today we stand on the threshold of a brand new year. 2023. Pristine. Undisturbed. Full of promise. Like it or not, we both have to walk across that line today. Like a, a pasture after a, a new fallen snow. Muddy tracks have yet to trod or trample across the path of 2023. An icy Eden. Roads yet not ribbon by car treads. Each day a blank, beautiful page. No turned-down corners and the yet-to-be-written book. No coffee stains or like a, a freshly baked and decorated cake. Intricate forms of icing. Not even a piece has yet to be cut. Or like a banner before the players run at the football stadium. No tears, no rips. Held taunt for the eager suited warriors to explode through the middle. So are we Today, we too walk into 2023 on this first Sunday, this first day of the new year. Today is not Thanksgiving. We do not come thinking back about our blessings for which we must be grateful. It's not Easter when we long for the end of death and the hope of resurrection this spring represents. It's not the gratitude of Thanksgiving it's not the hope of Easter to which we look today. We are today press face looking at our foibles and faults and failures of 2022. Today we are conscious of the fact that we are confronting yet the beginning of another new year. Years ago, a very wise woman who had been denied a lot of formal education, was employed as a children's nurse. One summer day, she took her young charges to the amusement park that was adjoining the zoo. The young fry that were under her charge were given allowance to spin, and they spent it on the merry-go-round. She suggested other attractions or other things they might want to do in the park. She even suggested a, a few investments they might want to make with their little monies to have some for another rainy day. But no, they spent every single cent on the merry-go-round. They never got past the first attraction. So she said to the youngsters, I saw you pay your money. I saw you get on. I saw you get off. But tell me, where did you go? I saw you pay your money. I saw you get on. I saw you get off. But where have you been? The merry-go-round. Around and around we go. Around and around we spin, but nowhere have we actually been over and over again. Why bother to go for a second chance in 2023? Seems like so many resolutions are broken so quickly. Why even bother? That cycle looms large for us. The promise, the failure, the guilt, the promise, the failure, the guilt. We make 
resolutions like no chocolate, no cake, no snacking, no egocentric or vainglorious comments, no talking too much, Robbie, no floss, <laughs> floss your teeth, remember birthdays, write a novel, more exercise, or maybe just some exercise would be good. We make an average of 1.8 resolutions a year, according to John Norcross, who has studied resolutions for six years. He says sometimes those resolutions barely outlast the wilting Christmas tree. One-fourth break their resolutions within a week. One-fourth break their resolutions within a week. Here's the top ten New Year's resolutions. Usually they include lose weight. You could list them. Get organized, spend less, save more, enjoy life to the fullest, stay fit and healthy, learn something exciting, quit smoking, help others achieve their dreams, fall in love, spend more time with family. The reality is, according to the Journal of Clinical Psychology, the majority of Americans, most of you here, 55% haven't even bothered to make any resolutions for today at all. But there is some good news. People who make the resolutions are 10 times, that's a lot, 10 times more likely to attain their goals than people who do not make resolutions. And 48% of people who make a resolution yesterday or today well, 48% will be holding strong even six months into the year. So we ask the question, does anyone really make any changes? Are there any real changes to life? We look past the failures and the fumbles and the follies. I think we all know the answer is some people, absolutely yes, some people really do take advantage of a second chance. Today, this first Sunday, we all stand at the threshold, the starting line, the moment of decision for 2023. Some of you will, with God's strength, make real decisions. Some of you will simply let another opportunity pass to change your life without making any real changes. Some of you will keep doing things the way you've always done them, and you'll end up with exactly the same results. Keep doing things the way you've always done them, and you'll end up with exactly the same results. Some of us here today need to make some real changes in the area of our personal relationships. The reality is, in the year of 2023, we'll discover some new divorces in our congregation, our, our flock will be saddened by the, the news of new divorces, broken families, children unsure of the very foundation of the love of their, their family. Some of you need to make changes in personal relationships this year. Ted Ingstam tells a story about a disgruntled husband. The husband's name was Joe. Joe had been married to his wife for three years. And he not only wanted to divorce her, he really, really wanted to hurt her. So he spent the money and went to see a psychologist and said, how can I best leave my wife that will hurt her the most? What can I do to inflict intentional pain? Well, the counselor paused for a moment and gave it all some good thought. And he said, well, here, here's what you need to do. 
Go home and treat your wife like she's a goddess. He says, give her undivided attention, help her out, take her out to eat, compliment her every move. You just treat her like a queen for eight weeks, two months, and then when you walk out, she will crumble. She will be caught off guard. You do that. Eight weeks, it'll be devastating. Joe thought that was a wonderful idea. So he put it into practice. He went home for two months. He gave his wife the best he had to offer. And after this eight weeks of setting her up, the marriage counselor called Joe and says, well, did she crumble? Did it work? Did my idea work? Did she, did she fall apart? Are you kidding, said Joe? I wouldn't leave this woman for anything in the world. I've got the best marriage a man could want. This woman's a goddess, he says. The marriage counselor hung up the phone, having accomplished what he intended to accomplish to start with, something called sweet revenge. For others of us, it's a relationship with an aging parent. Maybe it's a relationship with an in-law, a relationship with a brother or a sister or a, a once best friend. Unless we change our approach to that relationship, we ourselves will be among the losers. We've been prideful in that relationship. Perhaps we've held a grudge or we savored the wrongdoings. Unless we change, unless we seize the second chance of 2023, our personal relationships will falter. There's some here this morning who will lose a family member or a close friend in 2023, someone with whom you have a broken relationship. If you don't take these early days of 2023 to repair that relationship, it will be forever unrepaired and broken. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a mother or a father. Maybe it's a child if you're a mother or your father, perhaps it's a, a sibling or an old friend with whom things are broken. You won't be expecting it this year, but the email will come, the call will come, and you'll find out that that person is deceased in 2023, and there is nothing you can do to repair that relationship. It is lost forever. Are you absolutely sure this morning that you have been the forgiving partner in the relationship even when you've been hurt or you've been wronged? Are you absolutely sure that you have taken all the steps that you need to take for reconciliation in this relationship? We're in a new day, a new year, a new Sunday, a Sunday, a second chance. One lady wrote to Ann Landers, Dear Ann Landers, I, what I feared the most has happened. My mother died before I got the chance to say, I'm sorry. Several years ago, I, I went away to college, and I never returned home, really. I wrote her now and then, and I sent her gifts. When I was growing up, we lived in low-income housing, and I was embarrassed to invite anybody to come to my house, even though it was clean and, and cheerful. I don't even remember my father. He left when I was very, very young. My mom never talked about him. I, can remember, I can't remember her ever going out on a date, despite the fact she was very beautiful. 
All she was interested in was two things, her job and me, her job and me. When I left home, I decided to cut my ties with a painful past and just make a fresh start. And, well, mom didn't fit into my new lifestyle. When I married, I, I sent her pictures, but I never invited her to come and visit or, or meet my, my husband. She didn't let on, but I'm sure she must have suspected that deep down I was ashamed of my past and of her. The day I received the word that mom died, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I know that she had sacrificed her life for me. It, it kills me to accept the fact that she is now gone and I'll never be able to make it right with her. Writing this letter has helped. I hope it will save some other daughter from making the same mistake. Sign me, reg regrets galore in Pittsburgh. It's a new day. It's a new year. It's the first Sunday. In 2 Kings chapter 20, we find the story of a king who is given, literally, a second chance at life. The Assyrian army in this text is pressing down on God's people, pressing on King Hezekiah, a good king, a good king of Judah. If things were not difficult enough for the king, all of a sudden he is sick. I mean, very, very sick. We're told exactly what ails the king. But the prophet, like prophets do, Isaiah pounces. Isaiah is inescapably present for the decisive and crucial turns in the life of the king. Knowing that the royal illness is in the hands of Yahweh, Isaiah concludes that it is a sickness unto death, and it's a terminal illness, and the prophet says, you're going to die, Hezekiah. It's over for you. When someone, a prophet or a physician, utters those words, no option of healing, death is pressing, there's a terrible sense of things left undone. Things broken, things never started, and other things that need to be finished. Denial and bewilderment, feeling forsaken. Why, why, why? Hezekiah reacts with a prayer. Look there in verse 3. Remember now, Lord, I beseech you how I walk before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. First of all, Hezekiah says, God, I have walked with you. I have walked with you. Secondly, he says, God, I've been sincere and loyal and true in my relationship to you. And then he just weeps. What is this weeping of the king Hezekiah? Weeping is a petition before God when you don't even know the words to say. He's absolutely overwhelmed that the prophet Isaiah has said life is over for you. It is a sickness, a terminal illness unto death. And he just reminds God that he's done his best. And then he, he begins to weep. The ways of God sometimes are hard to figure on this side of eternity. Sometimes he answers our prayers the way that we would like. And other times God well, God just seems silent. This time God responded. Before Isaiah exit the king's court, the Lord said another word. 
You tell. Look at verse 4. And it came about before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and I will heal you. On the third day you should go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you. And I will deliver this city from the hands of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. He gets a second chance. Perhaps Hezekiah's weeping is the fact that he feels powerless or he doesn't know what else to say. Right before the prophet even leaves the court, Yahweh sends another word, a word that Hezekiah will be saved. Isaiah instructs Hezekiah to make a poultice of figs for the infection to boil. To draw out the poison was an ancient remedy. And Hezekiah says, could I have a sign? Could there be some sign that I can know that I really am going to be healed and I really will live another 15 years? Well, Isaiah asks the question. Do you want the sundial to move forward 10 degrees or backward 10 degrees? It might have been a staircase, the sun going up and down the staircase, or it might have been some other measure of time by the sun. Oh, that's easy, said the king. It is natural for the sundial to move forward 10 steps so that I can be sure that I will be healed. Make the sundial, make the staircase, make the shadow go backwards 10 degrees. If Yahweh can interfere with the physiology of Hezekiah's infirmity, God can turn time back. It reminds us of Joshua on the battlefield in Joshua 10, 13, maybe even more so. Remember when Joshua was on the battlefield, he needed more time to defeat the enemies of God. He needed the day to be lengthened, and God did it in Joshua 10, 13. Darkness itself cannot stop the hand of God. The shadow indeed reverses 10 degrees. Hezekiah knows that he's got a second chance. 15 more years. What a gift. When I read this story, I wonder what it would feel like to be Hezekiah to to go from being told by the prophet, you're going to die, to being told you'll have another good 15 years. A second chance. Did Hezekiah live differently? Did he cherish each day as if it was a gift from Yahweh, the giver of life? Days that he had earlier taken for granted? Did he cherish relationships that before to him had been boring and mundane? When he heard the birds sing outside of the palace, did he realize that he wouldn't always hear the song of the morning bird? When he saw the water shimmering across the Dead Sea, did he realize that he would not always see that sign? When he held his children by the hand, do you realize those opportunities were numbered? 
every opportunity, each day, a gift from God, a new delight. I don't know the answer to that conjecture. The, the text doesn't say. But I do know that Hezekiah, the good king, was given a second chance, 15 more years to live life. Through the years of ministry, I've seen people in similar situations with varied responses. Sometimes people take new beginnings and a second chance, and they give it their all. They take nothing for granted anymore. You can kind of post his life or her life from before the second chance to after the second chance. He or she are a different person. And I've seen others behave differently for about three weeks and then... Forget the giver of life, the giver of all good gifts. They squander their second opportunity. What about us? What about today? We stand on the threshold. We stand at the starting line of 2023. What kind of year will it be for you? Will you seize every opportunity that God sends your way? Will you rejoice in all the good gifts that now you don't even see that God brings your way every single day? Will it make a difference in our lives? Will it make a difference in our relationships, our relationship with God, and our relationship to the family of faith, God's people? Some here this morning need to begin again with our church, with your family of faith need to renew your commitment that church is not something you do a couple of times a month when there's nothing else going on, but rather it is a priority of your family to gather on the day of worship with God's people. Some need to make a commitment to tithing, to being generous in 2023. Some in the past, stingy and tight-fisted, need to give away so radically that it changes their lifestyle, making the ministries and missions of First Baptist Church a first priority in your family's budget, telling others about Jesus and feeding the hungry and clothing the cold. Yes, we stand this morning. We look across the field of a, a new fallen snow. There's not a track yet to be made. And God gives us the gift of another year. Hezekiah wept, and he cried that God would give him a second chance, and Yahweh responds, every good coach knows you have to make adjustments at halftime, even if you're winning the game. January the 1st is a halftime of life, a time to make adjustments in life so that we can win. A time to be faithful that, so that we can do the right things the right way for the right reasons. Or you can keep on doing what you've always done and foolishly expect different results. But Yahweh is a God of a second chance. Hezekiah got his. And today, you get yours. What will you choose? Oh, God, we come this morning looking at King Hezekiah. There's some of us here this morning who need to determine to do some things in a new way, your way, as we stand 
at the starting line of 2023. Father, may we hear the word of the prophet Isaiah. May we hear the God of the second chance. That every day that we have, just like Hezekiah, every day we're given is a gift from God, not to be squandered, but to be cherished and seized as a gift. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.